Hey everyone and welcome to Money in My Mind. I'm Jaden Vecchio. I'm Louis Strange. And we're two late 20s, early 30-somethings. Somethings. And, um, you know, there's a lot of news and a lot of media out there. We're both in finance. We both have gone to university and studied a fair bit, but it just didn't feel like there was anything that spoke to us in our language and that was relevant. So all that we're trying to do is basically break current events down into just digestible, easy-to-understand formats and give you what you actually need to know because there's a lot of white noise out there, especially in the media, a lot of fear-mongering. So trying to distill some of those fears and basically give you the actual information which is going to help you in your everyday lives, not only build some wealth, but actually get informed. Making the world of money relevant for Gen X and Gen Ys and, and the aim of this is really just to unpack current events and and work out how it's relevant for you and us and how it all fits in with life. So hope you guys enjoy and let's roll. Welcome to Money on My Mind, the podcast that breaks down the world of finance and other current events for Gen X and Y. Straight from the streets, your boys, Jaden and Lewis. All right, episode one, the Brexit. Everyone's heard so much about the Brexit. Louis, how's the Brexit for you? You've been Brexiting this week? Oh, Brexiting all over the place. (laughs) So with every single financial event that occurs, uh, the media always comes up with some little catchy... It's a good name, though. It is, it is. It's a pretty impressive name. It's better than the Grexit or at least... least Italy-exit? Italy-exit. No, not yet. It could, but at least there'll be just Romania in the end, just... (laughs) clinging on I saw that joke it was really good <laughs> but yeah today this week we're going to talk about the Brexit what it is what's happened and really ultimately how it affects us here in Australia as you know young Gen Y and Gen X 30 somethings that either have property might not have property want to travel have money in super yeah or even looking to invest so basically we're going to break it down into first what is the EU because it was actually a bit shocking that the most Googled term in the UK the day after the vote was, uh, what is the EU? So You'd think when you vote for something as important as your country leaving its largest financial union that you'd look into what you're doing first? Potentially, but the majority of Brits probably just have a big FU attitude to the rest of Europe. So, Although to be fair, there was that bus that Boris Johnson was driving around in that said that every week that the... 350 million pounds was going across, but that's actually a bit of a fallacy in itself because... Oopsie daisy. Yeah, coming coming back into the country, they didn't account for some of the um, subsidies that they were getting back. So the net figured was probably around the $120 million mark. But the reduction in taxes and basically the ease of trade that came with that was more beneficial than that outflowing. So just goes to show, maybe you shouldn't trust what politicians tell you. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, getting back on topic, not that that wasn't. But yeah, so Luke, take us through... Obviously, the most Google question, what is the EU? So, yeah, the EU is um, almost an idea that came around after World War II because Europe's got a pretty bad history of just going to war with each other. So, there's a bit, of, a, couple of, times. Yeah, a bit of systemic racism going on between some countries and especially when you look back through the centuries, like England and France had the Hundred Year War where basically they were just fighting over a tiny strip of land. Then you obviously had World War One, World War Two. So the Brits in general, being their own little island, have been fairly segregated from a lot of these events. But overall, in the 50s, 
they decided let's give this a go. We war is probably the, one of the worst things for an economy and a country. Not only does it decimate the population, uh, shifts all of the supply side of goods to war producing, and actually a lot of the time, you just get bombed into oblivion. So. It's not good for the economy or production, I'm assuming? Not really, or just your general lives or uh, even food stocks. So what, what they decided is uh, we'll give this a go with some coal and steel. So just some physical goods back then, which were some of the biggest traded commodities, they said, okay, we'll just join together in a more or less a coalition and we'll have some free trade going across using these just as a sample study. Actually, so just as an aside there, so free trade agreement, it's something that gets, you hear every day, oh, there's a free trade agreement. What, what Simplistically, what's a free trade agreement and what does it mean for, you know, France and England have a free trade agreement? Yeah. What does it mean? So whenever a country trades to another country, uh, for that privilege a lot of the time, uh, whatever country is receiving the good wants to make it in a way more competitive for them to actually produce the good in their own country. So they'll introduce a thing called a tariff, which is a tax. So say, for instance, um, Australia, we have big tariffs on cars being imported in Australia, especially when Holden was actually producing cars. There were massive import tariffs on any cars coming into Australia. So the cost of cars in Europe or Japan, other countries where it was actually produced, didn't have those taxes. So you could pick up a Range Rover in the UK for, you know, 30, 40% of what it actually would cost after the tariffs are in place. So what they decided is this is bad for the EU overall. So to remove all those additional transaction costs, because all that is is a transaction cost. It increases the goods of what you're actually purchasing in your own country. So to remove that, they basically said, okay, we'll form up a union, have some free trade, so Makes removing sense. those tariffs. And not only that, they actually get rid of a lot of these um, additional regulations between other countries. So say the UK said, oh, we want to make sure that all these cars have just our level of brake standards attached to them. Some cars in Slovenia or somewhere may not even have brakes or, or just know. pulled by a horse or something. So <laughs> they, they decided, okay, we'll get all the same safety regulations, all the same standards, and remove the tax. So you can just trade goods easily between countries. So, so the positive to EU was you could trade between each other, there are less taxes, less impediments to doing that. Correct. So economically, makes a lot of sense. Economically, and not only that, uh, the immigration side, because in 1993, uh, they essentially formed this current form of EU that we're experiencing. So that's where the Brexit's really stemmed from with major immigration issues in the UK where a lot of people, especially around the Manchester and rural-ish areas. It's the old, someone stole my job. And someone took here, my job. Blah, blah, blah. Which, exactly. But then they're not realising there's cheap labour and there's other benefits to that. Is that yeah. right? And a lot of the times, the jobs that a lot of the UK people don't want to do. So And a lot of Australians do them. Yes. <laughs> how many pubs? How many pubs? Have beers and, uh, poured by Australians and New yeah. Zealanders. And how many hotels are cleaned by Australians? So... Yeah. What, what they did in 1993 is essentially um, formed the EU. Um, originally, just a few big countries joined up. But then from there, all the other little countries joined. So you had other countries like Greece and Poland and late entries into the actual EU. So it was really good because it allowed labor supply to flow wherever it needed to. So what that means in your everyday language, just think about in the current economy in Queensland, not a lot of mining jobs going on. Um, how easy would it be for people just to move to Scotland at the moment to work in oil and gas? It'd be a lot harder than just packing up the car and moving down south to 
work on a project down there. Yep. So not only was it good for reducing transaction costs, it also just reduced the transactions of labor supply. The bads that came with it is basically what effects um, one country had would affect all countries. So we saw that back when Greece was defaulting and again, um, the media came up with a very funny financial term of uh, the pigs. So in that you had Portugal, Ireland, Greece and Spain. They were the real dead weight to the EU for quite some time where high unemployment, uh, low income taxes, low GDP, basically they were draining the overall EU. Not and a lot of value there. Not, not a lot of value. And that's where a lot of the Brexit issues came in because you had Spain unemployment in the 20s or up to almost up to yeah, 30%. It was like under 25, it was 50% unemployment. Yeah. It was crazy for a while. Though. It was incredibly high in unemployment. So what you saw is a lot of these poorer countries with no good growth or job opportunities. Why not move to the UK? There's a pretty good economy, even Germany up north. So all these people, because they were allowed to essentially just flow across the border at free will, they did so. So since the formation of the EU, uh, foreign residents or foreign-born residents in the UK has doubled. It's gone from 4 million to 8 million. So that's where this Brexit issue has stemmed from, basically an immigration policy. No one really disagrees that it's a horrible idea from an economic or trade point of view because the UK itself exports 46% of its goods to the rest of the EU. So that was good for them. It meant that their, their costs of goods were basically in demand because there weren't additional taxes put so on them. They could compete. And, and they could compete, exactly. And because they weren't really um, tied to the euro as well, they had their own... Currency-wise. Yeah, currency. Their currency was relatively strong. So that helped their bottom line, even though it wouldn't increase the demand because when things are cheaper, people want to buy more. So their currency was relatively strong to the EU, but they made a lot of money off their exports. So really, the the fundamental reason because why they left was the jobs aspect and yeah. people feeling threatened and, and that side of things. Similar to the bit of the Trump phenomenon going on in America, if you can get a pretty articulate politician to stir up, build a wall, <laughs> it'll definitely stop people from coming in on planes. Exactly, just mine the English <laughs> Channel and you won't have a problem again. So. Um, Boris Johnson and uh, another political leader basically whipped up this storm. His name Neville or something? Yeah, he's the leader of the... I forgot the name of their party. Boris and Neville. Boris and Neville. But what they did is back when the initial uh, announcement was made that there was going to be a vote, everyone thought no chance. Every political commentator, every economist said, oh, there's no chance this is going to happen, similar to Trump. What were the markets saying? Like... To a while out, say. While out, it was almost a six to one chance. So the markets actually rallied um, a little few weeks ago because they thought, oh, there's no chance it's actually going to occur. So they were thinking like Scotland's referendum last year. Yeah. Where it was, oh, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. And then they stayed. Yeah. Which interestingly now, now Scotland and was it Wales as well? Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland are reconsidering now getting out of the UK because they want to get out of the EU. Yeah. Because they actually voted to remain both... Scotland and Northern Ireland nationally. nationally. In Scotland, it was around 62% of people actually wanted to stay. 38% wanted to leave. So majority of the population wanted to stay in the EU. So, And even the majority, I remember reading, the majority of people under 40 or 30, like all the young people voted to stay because they could appreciate you know, the, the benefits of being able to move around the yeah. EU. 
the you know having access to those other countries and the trade opportunities in the future, not just now. Whereas a lot of the older people, yeah, it was for the older generation. Um, I guess a lot of them had grown up hearing stories, and so that's some of that systemic racism came in. Mm-hmm. It was an overwhelming majority in the elderly population wanting to leave. Hmm. And then, so really focusing back on us because it's all about us, yeah. you know, from Generation Y and X and no one else matters. What do you reckon is going to happen now and how does this impact? So assuming that all these, you know, polls and, um, you know, the online, was there like a million votes or over 2 million votes on people yeah. saying they want to re-poll? Which... Two and a half million so far want to re-poll. And if... Petition, sorry, that's yeah, the word, petition. Petition and a few few people even the day after were interviewed. Richard Branson came out yesterday saying, oh, this is a bit silly, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have done this. Anyway, but assuming it's going to go ahead because they've voted and that's what's going to happen potentially. Yep. What are the impacts for us here? So going through, you know, the classes and the assets yeah. and how do you think that's going to play out here? So basically uh, the major thing that everyone agrees on is uncertainty. And nothing worse is to an economy than uncertainty because whenever no one knows what's going on, the market will basically go down. If people don't know what's going to happen, there's a thing called myopic risk aversion where you're, if you know things will go down or you think things will go down, they will go down because if everyone's selling the same asset, its value just drops quite heavily. So that's the major thing. And, the and so you're talking more stock market or you're talking what markets? Uh, every market. So the trade market, um, they've got... They've luckily got two years to come up with some ideas, but a lot of commentators say that that won't be enough. Um, Which, because apparently it's two years to basically redo all their trade agreements, exactly. renegotiate all these international contracts. Even Australia's sending over diplomats to start renegotiating our agreements, which yeah. we're not within the EU, EU, but it basically, you know, England has to start again and yeah. do all that stuff in two years, basically. Exactly. So every country the uh, UK currently trades with, of course, they're under those regulations of the EU. They're going to have to rewrite their own. So that's going to impact, um, say, their trade to China, tr- trade to Australia. Every country they currently trade with beyond the EU, they're going to have to redo that agreement with as well. So, so you're saying uncertainty, pretty bad overall. Yeah. Um, so say in my super fund, something that young people don't really care about, but... <laughs> It's, it's, I was reading an article today saying, you know, Westfield Property Trust has already lost 30% mm. because they've got assets in London, and yeah. which I've got that in my super fund. But then I suppose everyone else, even if you've got a government fund or an industry fund, they'd have some sort of exposure to, the, to Europe. So what effects is that going to have on people here in Australia? Yeah. So the ma- major things that um, have been good is dropping in the pound itself. So, Sweet. so I can book a holiday and I'm over there. Yeah, exactly. So the what's what's going to happen internally inside the investments though, um, just due to the fact that there's some uncertainty. Like the market, uh, the Australian share market on Friday when it came through as a yes vote dropped by almost 3.5%. Yesterday uh, on the open, when as soon as the market opened up, it had dropped by about 0.8 of a percent. And then it closed actually well above um, 0.8%. So there was actually a swing of almost like 1.6%. Today it's down again so far 1.3%. So these sort of massive movements comes off the back of the uncertainty that's out there because no one wants to lo- no one likes to lose money. Like if you had $100 in your pocket and all of a sudden it's $50 because oh, it man, fell out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. How am I going to eat now? <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, obviously it affects super affects um, that side of investment and even the dollar, well, the pound, which mm. then makes it more attractive for people to go there. Yeah. But then equally, 
potentially not good here because then I suppose on the next point, interest rates, everyone's favourite topic. Yes. Um, you know, the RBA is always looking towards the Australian dollar and where it's trading. Mm. So because it's more powerful against the pound, do you think that's going to influence any decisions here? It likely will. Um, the best case scenario is what America does for us um, because if America is keeping their rates on hold, there's a high chance we too will have to keep our rates on hold because it's always a balancing act. Um, the so it's R- uncertainty and yeah. people... If something really bad happens over there, then exactly what what do the RBA have left? Yeah, our, our major issue at the moment with interest rates, um, they're always looking at one major thing, which is the exchange rate. So the exchange rate at the moment has to the pound, it's lost about 10%. Well, actually, the other way around, it's appreciated by 10%. So our purchasing power of any British goods is now better. But off the back of that, um, that's not what the RBA wants. The Reserve Bank of Australia, basically what they want is for our goods to be cheap so people buy it, which will help our trade deficit and more money coming into Australia is good. As you don't want money to go overseas from Australia because then if people are holidaying in London, London the nice beaches, yeah. <laughs> the English the, beaches. The southern Bristol beaches. and Which everyone wants to go to rather than going to the Gold Coast. It's, yeah. you know, it's not a good economic story for Australia. Exactly, and vice versa. We have a massive tourism industry. So if all of a sudden... British people, they could have had two to one in their purchasing power here. Uh, if that all of a sudden just drops by 25%, they're going to see a bad. big drop in tourism. So all the pink-bodied individuals that you'd see on the Gold Coast normally... <laughs> those lobster people those walking around, they're like, oh, you should have worn sunscreen. You're so yeah, pale. There won't be as many cooked lobsters anymore. So that's going to affect our economy a little bit. So a lot of um, just seasonal jobs as well might disappear due to that which uh, could be bad just for your, your average uni student or someone just looking to p- pick up part-time work in hospitality. Okay. Um, mate, that's amazing. Anything else that you want to add for this week? So I suppose, do you want to wrap it back up and then summarise what the EU is? Yeah. Why they left? So and what happens? EU, collection of countries introduced basically for free trade so they could trade goods with little cost and then also... Uh, just free immigration. If one person wants to move to one country, they can, and the vice versa. Um, why they left? Bit of a political storm of we want our country to be great again. That's similar thing to Trump, and even uh, even Johnson did a great line out of Independence Day. Uh, <laughs> it's our Independence Day. It's our it's Independence Day. It's Normally other countries say that when Britain leaves, not vice versa. <laughs> so, um, And then what this means for the average Joe, a uh, bit of uncertainty in the market, but it could be off the back of nothing. That's the important thing to remember because all the financial market is, is what people think it is. If no one has faith in an economy, you think about a $5 bill, what's it actually worth? To- well, and even interestingly for Australia, I read this morning that, you know, Britain's not even that large a trading partner. Yeah. So it's probably, well, I think if it affects, it's on, a seventh, yeah. yeah. So if it affects China, who's one of our largest trading partners, then it can affect us. But, yeah. you know, if it keeps going on, they get out. Yeah. And whenever there's a mass sell- sell-off in the market, you just have to remember what are the actual companies in Australia are doing. So think about Woolworths or Telstra. How much of an impact will... Yeah. Do you still need to eat even yeah. if Britain's in or out of the euro? Exactly. I think so. So <laughs> if those if those sorts of investments drop quite heavily, it's a decent buying opportunity just off the back of an oversell and over correction of just emotional response. And so I think overall as well, to probably wrap up, is these events, while they seem 
a bit innocuous for us here. They mm. actually do impact us, you know, in super, in property, in insurance, in travel, yeah, in your everyday life. So it's worth keeping your eyes open and and to keep listening to to Money on My Mind because that's what we're here for. I'm Jaden Vecchio. I'm Louis Strange, and thank you for tuning in. See you guys. Yeah.